Hey everyone, and welcome to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Twin Peaks The Return Part 7. Full spoilers for the episode, as always. Ah, yes, once again, I have notes, I have pages of notes. I do as well. Mine, mine are digitized this week. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm like the sheriff's office, I'm getting with the times. I don't know if you're going to be as quite as advanced as the sheriff's office. I don't think you have a secret monitor that pops out of. No, nowhere. I wish I, I wish I did. That's one of one of my notes in all caps is, "Holy crap! There's a monitor that lifts." I just I was stumped for words. I was like, I want one of those. And had a secret switch as well because it doesn't look like it's a switch for no, something. No, it's a little, little log that you just pull up, and it's like, oh my god, a monitor's come up. This is amazing. It's a proper every, Batman thing. I, I think every like police department should have that because then they can look at the person that you know they're talking to, but then oh, I need a computer. Right, all right, I'll lift that up. It's genius. Everyone should have it. Aye, aye. I like how the whole thing is basically a product placement for Skype, yet for us it was like, oh, look at this, the fancy coming up at the desk, oh, I want the Switch. I do, I want one of those. But no, I, I, I have no use for that, but I want it anyway. Uh, so so we're going we're gonna, to uh, get into it, got, got lots of my notes. Um, we are just over a third of the way through. What's interesting is we do have a week break coming up, not next week. Uh, it's after 9, I think. It's the July 4th weekend. That that weekend doesn't have an episode. So I think it's after episode 8 or 9, there's a week off. After after 8. It's after 8. Uh, so we got one more then, then a week off. Yeah. Right. I'm saying it now. I, I think I think Cooper's going to wake up just at the end of that episode. And then they're going to mm-hmm. make, make his way at two weeks for... It depends on how much... like You know, when they were planning the production... Hmm. And and when they were planning, when when they were going to schedule these episodes, did they know that was going to be where we were having a week off? Because if so, then I'd say yeah, definitely. That's that's what they're going to do. But it could just be coincidence and completely unplanned. Yeah, but what if they didn't know, right? But they started it on the right week to time it like that. Well, I was going to say, what if they didn't know? Then they they got when when Showtime wanted to slot it, and then they went. Let's put three and four out together as well, and that way it lines up. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because putting three and four out, I mean, one and two make a lot of sense. A lot of shows do the one and two double to start things off. But three and four as well. And also, one and two felt a lot more connected than three and four did. Like, three and four felt like you could have aired them separately, no problem. Mm, Yeah. So, mm, we might be onto something there. I don't know, just just pure speculation. Uh, I, I, maybe it's just cruel thinking on my part that they want to give us that cliffhanger now and be like, nah, two weeks for this one. Come back then. Uh, that is going to be a painful Sunday because this is very much the... I mean, Twin Peaks is the highlight of my week right now. It's like, oh, it's, oh Twin Peaks night. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the best part of the week. But let's, let's get into it then. Enough of this dilly-dallying. Quick scene at the start with uh, Jerry and Ben... Uh, via phone it feels so strange hearing their names that way around i mean <laughs> i know you say it that way around because that is how it is in the scene yeah we see jerry first wrong. yeah we see jerry yeah. first then we see ben which is why i've written them down jerry then ben um but maybe that's just a good way of making sure we're not talking about ice cream jerry yeah. and ben yeah uh, yeah no, no mistaking it then nah, no 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 mistakes um but yeah jerry's high and lost in the woods and says his car's been stolen or he can't find his car no, he specifically says someone stole his car, which I think is interesting, uh, due to later things. Yeah, he says someone stole his car. 
Um, interesting though, the tense he says it in, I'm not sure if it's, oh, it's just been stolen. Like, he's been in the woods, he's went back to get his car and it's not there. Or if it happened, like, days ago, and now he's just, like, standing about in the woods because he's high and he's he's blurting it out. Yeah, it could be. Because he says someone stole his car and, like, he doesn't know where he is. Mm. But it's very strange. Then I don't again, f- this I don't is feel Jerry. Like, yeah, I, I don't feel like you have to mention it's strange when we're talking about Twin Peaks. So there's a... I feel like, I feel like at the end of every scene you could just go very strange. I mean, you, you could, you could, but this felt particularly odd as a way to open the episode. Yeah, well, that that's fair. That's fair. Um, and that said, the car you're probably thinking of though does appear to have another owner. Possibly, if if if, if what you're thinking about is where I think you're thinking about. Right. Okay. But we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, so that was basically the scene, and Ben was just gonna. This is the first time I've seen Ben. Uh, not Jerry, but this is the first time I've seen Ben since the uh, the first episode, so it's been a little while. Um, but yeah, so bet Ben's there. Uh, we actually had a lot of scenes at the start of this episode that were back to back that were all in Twin Peaks, which felt a little bit unique because we haven't really had that so far. There's been a lot of you know in South Dakota, then we've been in Vegas a lot with Doogie or Cooper as yeah. Doogie, and so on, and the prison and stuff. But we had we had a scene with Hawk and uh, Sheriff Truman, Frank Truman specifically, and. They confirmed it's like no, this is this is Laura's diary pages, and not only did they confirm that's what it was, he picked it up and he read the the relevant part that and we, it was exactly what we thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, it was the exact thing we were excited about. It was the the talk of the dream with Annie in it, saying that Cooper was trapped in the lodge. You know, sometimes when things give you exactly what you think it's going to be, it can be disappointing. But this time it's like no, nah, I didn't want anything else. This is this is exactly what it had to be. Well, Joe, you know I like about it is because like, Hawks like. Well, if the good Cooper is trapped in the lodge, then the Cooper that came out that night with Harry and Doc Haywood there's not a good Cooper. Like he's putting it together, and it's kind of like, oh yes, yes, piece it, piece it together. <laughs> so it, close. Do it for us, please. Uh, but no, them, them sort of, and he's sheriff is like asking, oh, like, so did anyone else see him? Because like, he disappeared shortly after. Did anyone see him? He's like, oh, well, the Doc did. Uh, but that's yeah. about it. Uh, uh, he also he says he's going to go and talk to Harry and like see what he thinks about all this, uh, but that doesn't go very well because he phones Harry and it basically it just kind of it just kind of like oh you're too sick. It sounds like things are getting worse. He's he's either been moved to like a more intensive ward or something like that. It's, it's all very vague because we only get like his half of the phone call, uh, yeah. and he, he avoids doing that cheesy TV thing where he repeats everything the other person says so that we know what's get being yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to. You get it from one side if it's done well enough. Yeah, the context is fine. Again, we can't be too accurate with details. We just know he's getting worse, and because of that, he, he decides that oh, well, I'm not going to bring him into it. This is too much stress. I'll just yeah, I feel like that's it. almost going to be a mistake later on. Like possibly, you, yeah. you should have done. Also very interesting, we're still missing one page from the diary. You're right, yeah, we have three or four pages. Uh, and the other things here is we were speculating who who hid them here. Uh, they actually immediately jumped to, uh, jumped to a different option. They jumped to Leland, uh, and Hawk was speculating, oh, Leland must have found... Because one of the other parts of the diary mentioned that Laura seemed to figure out that it wasn't just Bob. Because obviously we've seen Fire Walk With Me that she finds out that it's her father, uh, that's like a vessel for Bob. And this... Imp- this makes this gets Hawk thinking. Oh, he came by many a time. We were here. He was in for questioning on Jock when it was murder, uh, and he speculated that that's when he hid them. Maybe he thought, oh, they're going to frisk me. They're going to search me, uh, kind of thing. And that's why he hid them. Uh, which holds up well. Yeah, enough. it's plausible. Yeah. Um, 
it makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, so we, we have a scene uh, with Andy, actually, before we get to the next Frank stuff. Uh, Andy's actually out investigating, presumably, the, the, the hit and run of the child from last episode, because he, he's at the location where this truck is. And he's talking to someone who we don't know, some some dude with a beard, who seems to be the owner of the truck. He confirms that that is indeed his truck, but he's very fidgety. He's very he's very nervous, almost as if he knows someone who doesn't want him talking is watching him. Yeah, and he he says yes, it's his truck, but he wasn't driving, mm. and he keeps saying we can't talk here because they'll know. Yes, they'll know, and it, obviously the two obvious options here for the. Is one, it's just, you know, it, it's Richard Horn and it's the other criminals involved, perhaps that's they. Or is he talking about owls? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where my it's, mind jumped to. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I was, I'm more inclined to think it's just. The criminal Horn. element. Yeah. yeah, because that seems the the obvious choice. It, it, but I, then, it does. Then, you know, like I said, this is, this is Twin Peaks. It's strange. It, <laughs> the obvious choice is not always the one that it is. Yeah, and Andy, bless his soul, uh, is a bit gullible and goes along with this. Now, not to say that another, another police officer detective wouldn't maybe pick up that he's scared and would say, okay, right, okay, we'll talk later. Um, but with Andy, I get the feeling that he's just, yeah, okay, I'll meet you later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll meet you, uh, half, so, half four, yeah, okay. Half four at the, the side of the road somewhere. Yeah, yeah, up in, up in, the, up in the trees, up in the mountain. Ah, it's uh, no owls up there. Full owls. Well, well, that, that that that's what proves that maybe it's not the owls that he's worried about. He's not concerned about the owls. He's concerned. Alternatively, about maybe it is the owls that he's worried about. I mean, to not to jump ahead too much, but the guy doesn't show, so maybe he's like, "Nah, there's owls up there." I'll talk more about that when we get to it. Yeah. Other thoughts. Other thoughts. But yeah, so we have a. Uh... Uh, Doc Hayward Frank, and this is where he, he presses his little lever and up comes the monitor. Uh, after he has, he's, he has a little bit on the phone first where he's like, oh, do you have Skype? And it does feel like a bit like a commercial for Skype. I'm not going to lie. It's like, do you have Skype? Oh, wash your hands. Like, oh, I use Skype all the time. I, uh, I I diagnose people. I don't even have to leave my chair. He's like, wash your hand, Doc. I'll call you. <laughs> to be fair, it does genuinely feel like old people discussing technology. It does. No, it, it feels genuine. Yes. Yeah, like because I think when old people discuss technology, like not all old people, obviously, but the ones who are you know generally not tech savvy, it mm. almost does feel like an advert because that's a lot of their experience with technology is seeing it on you know advertising. They have to explain it to each other. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, this is another actually sad appearance because the actor who plays Doc Hay- Hayward uh, died. Uh, he died earlier this year, uh, back in January, February. It was just before Miguel Ferrer died, actually. Um, because I, I I remember cracking a little joke that uh, worrying about who was next because it was just after we started doing the original season he passed away and then Miguel Ferrer passed away and I'm like Jesus Christ, how many of these actors are going to pass away since we started doing this yeah it was happening a lot like when we were doing the Alien movies as well yeah because John Hurt passed away then Bill Paxton passed away yeah it was it's almost a curse I feel like I want to stop reviewing things just to, just to stop killing people yeah I want to be safe <laughs> uh, but no so, uh, so it was it was nice to see that they'd film something with them much like the log lady but at the same time kind of sad because one I know he's passed away but unlike Miguel Ferreira who is fairly active in this show he's been in a lot of episodes he's walking around uh, both the log lady and, and to a similar extent here uh, he, he's very inactive you can tell okay they maybe went with a Skype call because it means he can just film 
sitting in a chair. There's nothing yeah, else to it. Yeah, it felt like it was so he could be comfortable in his own home still, rather yeah. than have to get him up to a set. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked like he was outside, but yeah, probably just outside his own, yeah. his own house kind of thing. Yeah, um, and dude's old. I mean, did obviously he was already he was already like an older man in the original show, so he's he's quite up there in the age now. Uh, but no, it was nice to see him. Uh, and even though he had a beard and he looked, you know, he's got a proper old man thing going for him. Uh, I could still. It was when I spoke, I could sort of hear in his voice as much yeah. as it was a bit more craggly and a little bit more broken up. I could definitely hear uh, hear him in there. So. That was nice, um, but this was a very interesting conversation because uh, he he basically asked about Cooper about bringing him back from the lodge. Uh, and, but by the way, just this whole conversation from the previous scene with Hawk and then this scene, it was there was just something very exciting about them actually talking about that night and talking about the end of season two because obviously we ended in that big cliffhanger. So them actually bringing it up and discussing what happened, uh, yeah, I thought was just just exciting in and of itself. But uh, then, I, th- I was gonna say, I just think it's interesting that obviously Frank was obviously not part of that mm. show and so he's kind of a surrogate for any new viewers like, like it's like okay here's the cliff notes of what you need to know if just yeah. for some reason you're jumping in now even though we're only explaining this in part seven first six yeah yeah tough shit but, but, well I, I think uh what works with that is, is he he asked to, he like sort of asked him to clarify things like he knows about a lot of it he's heard a lot of it probably from his brother uh obviously it, He's maybe been working here for a long time as well. He's heard all these stories, but that's why he's confirming things. Like, and he he disappeared shortly after. Like, he's he's confirming details, but you buy it because yeah, he wasn't actually here at the time to uh, yeah, experience you, it. You buy that such an event was almost it's almost like local legend. Yeah. Uh, so the doc says that he doesn't remember what he had for breakfast that morning, but he remembers that night. Uh, just to sort of again, call this, put it put it firmly in your head. This was an important event. This was something yeah. that one does not forget. Uh, but inter- interesting stuff though he talks about uh, taking him to the hospital and he caught him like an hour after they put him in the hospital they, he caught him sort of up and around kind of escaping as it were uh, making a jail- jailbreak and he, he reminisces about him looking at him and it being kind of weird and mysterious uh, and he maybe theorised at the time because he was in, in intensive care that he was going to visit Audrey so this is the first time Audrey's been mentioned in the show uh, yeah. And we find out that she was in a coma. Now he does say past tense, which makes me yes, think it's does. not a long coma where she's still lying in a hospital bed somewhere. It sounds like no, no, she was in a coma for a recovery and got yeah, up. it could have been a while. Like it could have been. It could have, it could, for all we know, it could still have been five years, and that would have still been twenty years of her being active since. Yeah, yeah, sure. It, it could have been a week. It could have been five years. Could have been ten years. Could have yeah. been three days. For all we know. But it implies it's not recent. Yes, it implies that it's certainly not a currently active thing yeah um and that that is interesting now what i think is interesting about that speculation is that he could be wrong it could just be that he was getting up or maybe he was going to see annie uh who we've still not spoken about and what's interesting is because we've had norma and we even see norma again in this episode i mean she doesn't really have a scene per se but we do see her uh i think it's interesting that if we do hear more about annie it may be from her from her perspective because it's her sister after all yeah we don't really even know if she's okay or I mean, we don't even know if she's alive at this point. We really don't. I, I, I'm speculating that she is due to if she had died, I think that would have been brought up here. Yeah. Like, this feels it, like it would have been a detail to go over in this case file. But I do wonder. Uh, I am worried, though, that Doppelkoop did go and see Audrey. If he did, what did he tell her? Because obviously, you know, there's the, the whole thing, people in comas, some of them can, you know, they can still mm-hmm. hear everything. Yeah. 
And if, if, if she was in a coma and he thought he was safe, what did he say to her? What does she know? I'm, I'm a bit more worried than that. There's, there's a theory going online. I don't know if you've seen this one. I've not looked at pretty much any theories at all. I Annoyingly, this kind of holds up for a bit of evidence for me. Uh, so, you know how Richard Horn is like a real dickhead? Sure. <laughs> I know his name is Richard and I call him a dickhead. I don't even mean that, but... Uh, I, I have noticed that I have made a very bad pun. I apologise, uh, but so he he's awful, and obviously his name's Horn. His yeah. name's Horn, and we we said, oh, it's a bit of shit if that turns out to be Audrey's kid because I feel like she wouldn't re- like she's better than that. She's tougher than that to let this little shit grow up like this. And we said, oh, maybe it's Jerry's son. Um, but the one way it would work, I think, would be if the father was someone awful. And I'm a little yeah. bit worried, and there's a theory going around online that per- perhaps Do- Doppelkoop is the father, and perhaps the the conception was not consensual. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Timeline kind of lines up Ta- to his age. Timeline lines up. And the reason why this works for me thematically, if they go down this route, it's very dark and it's very depressing, and I'll feel yeah. bad for Audrey if it's the case, but the reason why it works thematically... The one thing Cooper didn't do because he was a good person was he said, "No, you're 18. I'm a member of the FBI. I can't do this. I, res- you know, I respect you. We can be friends, but I can't do that." He he was a noble stand-up gentleman, and I wouldn't have even blamed him. But he had stood his line. He was a moral person. Yeah. The idea that Doppelcoop, the first thing he did when he got out and he was evil, was waiting. I mean, yeah, it's the idea of perverting yeah. all of, of Cooper's morals. Exactly. Well, 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 I mean, even if it was a case of he tricked her and it was consensual, or if it wasn't, um, either way, well, obviously one's more evil than the other, but they're both sadistic. They're both downright sinister. Well, that's it. It, it yeah. could have been consensual just because we know Audrey was into him in the, in, in general anyway. At, le- at least, well, it still wouldn't be technically consensual because it's still tricking her right. into thinking it's him. Consensual in the sense yeah. that she did agree. Uh, yeah. Tr- uh, she was tricked. False pretenses. False pretenses, but, yeah. But, but she, from her perspective at the time, it was consensual. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, here's here's the, the, the bit of evidence that I've got to back this up. Again, and this doesn't necessarily prove anything, but I think it's maybe symbolic. The first time we ever saw Richard was in the bar. Right? Yeah. And he grabbed that girl. He grabbed her the same way that Doppelkoop grabbed the girl in episode two in the bed, if you recall. Sort of round uh, the throat. Yeah, yeah, of, I see it. Yeah, and he held her sort of up to him the same way. Now, I'm not saying that the way you grab someone in, timid, in an intimidating fashion uh, runs in the family, but I just think in terms of being symbolic and It saying, was an interesting choice to yeah. direct it that way. Yeah. Because that, that, that had to have been a conscious choice to tell them to do it in that specific manner, both of them. It, exactly. Um, and... I mean, I, I think it would almost be interesting to, to see it go down that route because it kind of raises the, the nature versus nurture sort of stuff then. Mm. And I think that could be a, an interesting way of looking at it because so... you can kind of contrast that with him versus, like, you know, Andy and Lucy's kid. <laughs> well, I just mean in terms of having the new yeah. generation and seeing how they're raised versus who the parents are. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. If, if it is Dick's kid and Andy's, yeah. but right, still, he's exactly. been a father regardless. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not just blood that makes you a parent. It's it's the actual parenting. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. I get you. Um, 
so so yeah, uh, I thought that was uh, very 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 interesting. Scene. I mean, there's a, but as much as it was a simple scene of just two people on Skype, a lot of really cool little tidbits that got got my mind going came from it. Um, so then we cut to uh, South Dakota. We cut to the police station uh, with the detective with Constance, the uh, the, the 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 forensic specialist, uh, and Lieutenant Knox from the I believe the CIA. I'm assuming the CIA just because that's what Major Briggs was uh, was from. But she's from the Pentagon. And she's there to talk about the fingerprints, and she is shocked to find that it wasn't just prints that they found in a crime scene, it was prints that came from an actual body. And of course they show the the beheaded body. Uh, Very interesting facts come from this. One, the body that they've got there is in the late 40s, which is the age that he would have been in the original show, and at the time of his actual death. Uh, Two... He he has actually like the the forensic says that he has only been dead for since they Five found or six him. Days, they yeah, say. So from just before they found him, as if that was a fresh crime scene sort of body kind of thing, not someone who's been wrapped in plastic for the last thirty years kind of thing. So, uh, so very interesting. And obviously, we know the lodges, timey wimey, the, the the fact that Annie went into Laura's dream in the past. Like we know, there's definitely yeah. weird things going on in that sense. Um, Certainly, though, this may have been the creepiest scene in the episode because once Lieutenant Knox finds all this out, she goes back out into the hall and she phones um, uh, Colonel Davis. I want to say I, I was trying to think of his rank. It's definitely yeah, Davis because they named him after the actor who played uh, Briggs. So I knew his name. I just I was trying to think of his rank. Uh, Ernie Hudson. She phones Ernie Hudson and t- tells him the information. And he's like, "Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to make that call." What I thought was interesting is we assumed that call. I mean, maybe it still was to the FBI, but we thought it might go straight to Gordon, perhaps. Maybe it went to Denise. Because he goes to make that call, but then we then we cut to Gordon, and we cut to their stuff uh, quite soon after this, and they don't even hear about it yet. Yeah. So certainly it wasn't direct to them if, if it was indeed to uh, the FBI. Um, but no, as she's on the phone, we see a figure coming. And do you know what I love about it? I love that at first it is just so far away, and he's just so out of focus that... It's almost that's because you've been extra walking past in the background, but then it's slowly coming towards the camera. And then the music comes in, the the, the creepy theme. Yeah, uh, and what I love is that she turns and looks in that direction, and she turns around and she looks kind of worried, but it's played like I'm not sure if she's seen him. Like, could she physically see him walking down the hall, or mm. was she just like she's so wrapped up in her conversation and she's worried about what they're talking about? You know, was it just like you know when you're on the phone you're just sort of glancing around because. You get into the cat. Yeah, I think that might be like more like I don't want anyone overhearing this. Yeah, that shouldn't be because exactly. Yeah. Obviously, she was te- she goes in after and tells them no one else can see this body, and uh, you know she's very clear like oh, I want this under control. Like this is our yeah. thing. So I think it's more just I don't want anyone to know how strange this really is. Yeah, it's the it's the what I've written down. I'm referring to him at least from now as the charcoal man because uh, he's sort of covered in certain. Yeah, he looks burned, if you will. Uh, but yeah, so he, he he's walking down, and he, she comes back in, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, this case is probably getting taken away from you guys soon. This is you know higher higher up the food chain, as it were." Yeah. And but again, after she finishes talking to them, the camera pans over, and he walks past the door. He's very much paying attention to what's going on here. That's it. You just watch him walk past. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't do anything. No one interacts with him. No one even acknowledges him. I, I don't think they can see him. I, I do want to point out though is that in the music, it did sound like there was, there was a hum, like a, a electrical hum. Yeah, yeah, that was there. And and the soundtrack. And I think that's obviously very interesting. We've been associating that with a lot of the, the Lodge stuff. Uh, both times he's appeared, it has been in some way related to 
this case because in the, in the previously it was in the jail cell with Bill Hastings who was arrested for the murder at this apartment uh, where they found this body where they found Briggs yeah. and again and then again Briggs's body him again yeah it's, so. it's very much to do with this whatever his yes. purpose is uh, what that is at this point I have no no idea I can't even not enough <laughs> to go on yet I, yeah I can't even begin all right so uh, next up, uh, we have indeed been cut to the FBI. We cut to Gordon and uh, Albert. Albert comes in uh, after S- Gordon's... Have not small listened. sound design touch I loved here. Oh, God. The, the knock on the door from Albert is extremely loud. <laughs> and then uh, Gordon, it, he, he obviously heard it real loud as well. He turns his hearing device down. I love that we got it from his perspective. Ah, it's a nice touch. Uh, he comes in, basically just informs him that Diane told him to go F off. Um, and... <laughs> I actually, it's a very simple scene. It's just basically just, all right, it's your turn to go. You, you have to go and speak to a garden. He's like, all right, um, you, you'll come with me. And I just love this moment because he says, say please. And Gordon acts like he couldn't hear him because of yeah, hearing issues. And he's like, you heard me. And, and a regular soft-spoken voice, you heard me. And he's like, please, cut. Yeah. Perfect. So effective. Perfect. I just, I love it. I love that uh, Albert knows his shit. He knows that he's he's playing dumb. Uh, I love Albert. You, you, you know, when Albert was first introduced mm. in the original, he was just this dick. He was like, why is he here? He's just been an antagonist just for the sake of it. Oh, he's great. But you, he's, he's really grown. Do, do you know what I love as well? I love that he's still walking about. Not not in the office, obviously, but later on when we see him at the prison, he's still walking about with that metal briefcase with his stuff in it. It's the exact yeah. same type of case. Uh, yeah. He's not changed. Not changed a bit. Um... But yeah, so so they go and see Diane uh, at her house. I want to point out that not only in this scene, but throughout the entire episode, Diane is wearing red. Yeah. I thought that was very, very interesting. Yeah, very notable. I think it'll be a case of, you know, maybe she's the, the path back for Cooper. Poss- yeah, like if Cooper, if real Cooper sees her, is that maybe something that helps trigger him? Uh, or maybe possibly Audrey. I have speculated that as well before. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so she's wearing red. Uh, we introduced this great running joke where she likes to tell people uh, "fu" uh, followed yep. by their name. Uh, I'm point. I'm only pointing that out because my biggest laugh of this episode came a little bit later, and it's related to this joke. Yeah, um, yeah. I-, I like it as well. That it's it's just it, if the first time she says it, she doesn't put the name on it, and it's like ah, that's fine, that's just her. But then when she puts the name after, I was like, see, it's personal now. Oh, you want the personal t- t- uh, treatment? You get it too. Yeah, uh, kind of thing. Uh, of course, they ask for coffee, and she 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 plays tough to get with the coffee. Um, but I, I love how she she goes, "Oh, got no coffee or cigarettes." She uh, says while holding a mug of coffee and smoking yeah. a cigarette. Um, but they mention obviously they sit down. They mention he's in lockup, and I thought her re- reaction to this, and I'll talk about this more when we actually get to her scene with him. I've got I've got some theories, but she says good when she hears yeah. this. Uh, he's in lockup. Good. Uh, and the other thing I want to point out in this scene is Gordon, when he's trying to convince her, says, "This involves something that you know about, and that's enough that needs to be said about that." Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. I'm not sure what he's talking about. Is this a previous case they're talking about? One of the, one of his Blue Rose cases that Cooper was also involved in. See, that was my first thought, but then the fact that he seems unwilling to mention it, even in front of Albert. Hmm. I'm not entirely sure it is. So unlike usual, this show actually had lots of scenes that followed on from one straight into the other, <laughs> which, which was weird. It was weird, wasn't it? It's not weird in anything else, it's weird in this because I'm just not used to it in this. 
Yeah. But we we went from because we went from Gordon's office to actually to the Anne's house, and then we went to the Anne's house to them on the plane to South Dakota, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so Tammy's on the plane as well, and she brings the fingerprint stuff she was looking at to the attention of the others, and uh, Albert notices like a a problem with it where it yeah technically it's right but for some reason the uh the uh this finger this one <laughs> um ring finger your ring finger yeah uh that that's like it looks right but he notices something that says what they're they've flipped it to make it match it was actually the wrong way around yeah almost like uh it was a mirror image yeah uh but more Re- in- a reverse cooper perhaps but more in <laughs> Some would say he's the reverse. Um, what I thought was really interesting, though, was uh, uh, Gordon's whole bit about uh, that being the spiritual finger, because he, he 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 mentions the backwards word. If you remember, we talked about how he said uh, "werve," which is very backwards, because yes. he said "very werve." Good to see you again, old friend. Uh, and he he makes Tammy hold out her fingers, and he sort of counts it across, and it's ten words, and it matches her fingers. It's like this is the spiritual finger, so. He's like, well, that, that means something. The fact that the spiritual word that matches that finger was the one that was wrong. I mean, he sounds like a crazy man in most circumstances, but given that I know he's right, it's like, okay. Yeah, I'll yeah, accept okay. it, but... Uh, jump, jump, jump into some far-fetched things there, Gordon. But, uh, no, but he is, he is right, after all. So, yeah. Uh, also, that was interesting that Diane... Uh, isn't part of the conversation. She's like further down the plane, but she is paying attention. Like she's definitely invested in everything they're saying. She's yeah. she's listening in on all of it and uh, looking rather concerned. Yeah. Uh, I also, I also the show the show uh, Tammy a photo of uh, Doppelkoop. They've got one known photo of him of the past twenty five years, and he's he's wearing this fancy white suit in front of this villa that he owns. Uh, and it he looks like he's out of the eighties, even though it's like a it's a relatively recent photo because it, it looks like present day Doppelkoop, yeah. but it just looks like it's like taken out of Miami Vice or something like that. He's looking very dapper. That's actually the word I've written down. He looks very dapper. I mean, I have no reason to dispute that. You, the use of that word, it's it's pretty solid description. Uh, so we get to the prison, and there's a little bit of setup before 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 she goes in before Diane goes in to see Cooper, uh, Doppelkoop. And this is where we had the joke that I liked a lot, where uh, Tammy sort of jumps in at one point and says, oh, we're very grateful for you coming and doing this. Uh, Diane just like, stops, and they all stop moving, because they're all walking down the, the, the prison hallway, and they all just stop. And she turns around and says, what's your name again? It's like, Tammy. Pause. F you, Tammy. <laughs> oh, I, I legitimately laughed out loud. When, do, do you know what? I, I would have almost appreciated seeing like Gordon and Albert smile a little bit, going, ah, she's one of us now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, that would have been fair. Um, but no, so she goes in to see, in to see Doppelkooper. And again, much like when the, the little scene him in the prison episode four, uh, he's got the low voice through the mic. Uh, there's a sort of shutter that goes up and down, so that comes up and it reveals him. Yeah. And throughout the entire scene, Diane is looking very uncomfortable with what she's seen. She looks very concerned, uh, almost hysterical uh, at certain points. Yeah. When she when she responds to him, uh, and some key key points here is she she repeatedly asks him uh, when did we last see each other. That, that's like a key key thing she keep a- asking, and he says at our house, uh, and that 
he'll always remember that night. To which she responds that she will also always remember that night. Yeah, she says, same for me, I'll never yeah. forget it. And then and then in the same sentence, who are you? And this is kind of piggying onto the Audrey theory here. Because I've watched this twice, right? I, I, as with the previous episodes, I've, I've gotten two viewings of this. And the first time I, I, I read it, incorrectly i think i think i read it incorrectly where i assumed this this last time they met was before he became doppelcoop like it was before cooper went to twin peaks and it was like the last time they met before that that but was my assumption too on a rewatch on, on a second viewing i am convinced this was post twin peaks mm. i am convinced that doppelcooper and perhaps the same way that he perverted the relationship with Audrey and even the tape recorder, everything that made Cooper Cooper. Yeah. I am convinced that Doppel Cooper went to see Diane uh, after this. Because every, every, the way she responds to everything in this conversation, the way she responds to I will never forget that night, like it, like it's a horrible memory, like something yeah. bad happened. I, I think this this perspective is backed up by her conversation with Gordon afterwards. Absolutely, yeah. I, I It was just... The way it was on the second viewing when I was watching her, the way she actually responded and the way she said each of her lines, this was like a horrific night. When because he says, "I'll never forget that night," as if it's like as if he's taunting her, like it's a, yeah. it's a good memory for him. He's taunting her, and she responds like, "Yeah, I'll never forget it either." That, that that to me, it's like no, this is a horrific night in my memory. I'm never forgetting that. And I'm wondering, is this why she like says good earlier on when they say, "Oh, he's locked up in in a yeah. prison." Yeah, yeah, like he's I, done something to hurt her. I think, I think she's known ever since then that it wasn't really him, and may- maybe like she wasn't sure before. Like she only met him that one night when he came to see her at her house. Maybe it was just that one time she didn't get a good read on him. It was just this horrific thing. Like why is he different? Like she didn't understand. But then she sees him again here, and she can really look at him and really think about it. You know, and that's more yeah. controlled. When she's being told, "Hang on, we're not sure about this," and it's not mm. just her imagination this time. Uh, like yeah, it might sure. have been before is what she might have thought of it as, rather than oh, she 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 probably doesn't leap to this is someone else. And she she gets she gets she, she basically she ends the scene. She looked uh, she shuts the shutter, and because she can't take it anymore, she basically gets emotional and says, like, "Okay, this is too much," and she she exits the scene. And I thought it was really interesting that just before she does it, she's telling him to to look at her. She keeps saying, "Look mm. at me," and he doesn't until as the curtain's going down is when he kind of glances over at her for the first time. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Uh, and it's after they get outside and Gordon takes her aside and, and talks to her. And she basically says it's not him. And she she, yeah. she, she, she ultimately, as someone who doesn't understand that there's doppelgangers coming from a mysterious, mystical place, she kind of does everything she can to describe what it feels like. She says, it's not just that he's older, it's not just that he's changed, or even that he's got worse. It's just not him. Yeah, it, she says, it's something here, and then points at her heart, and says, it's something that definitely isn't here. Yeah, it's like she says it, and then corrects herself. Like She realises, no, it's not It's not about what's there, it's about what's missing. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like it's, this is like, again, to compare it to the hit television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's almost like he doesn't have a soul. This is, this is Cooper without the soul. Mixed with Bob. Yeah, Bob's you really could have. You, you really could have made that that line without the reference. You just did that for the sake of it. Just just because you know, I'd I'd be like, really. What vampires and Buffy? They didn't have a soul. Uh, that was a thing. 
so as I said, and I just I love that Gordon uh, tries to ask about like this last night that you spoke about in there. Is there anything I need to know? Which again to me says this is post Twin Peaks because I never got the impression in the original show that because because I think when I was reading it the first time and I was like oh like did they have like a fling one night? Is is that what they're getting at here? Yeah. Uh, but it didn't really feel like that in the original show that they, they, they had that type of relationship with Diane and here it feels more like but the fact that Gordon's asking about this is like is there something I should know about here it does sound like this was this was post Twin Peaks this is this is a meeting that happened that she never told anyone about after he went missing yeah it does and it really lines up with like you said how you know when they said oh he was in prison and she said good because him just going missing I can see her being annoyed but not to the point where she'd be happy that he was locked up Exactly, so uh, that, that's kind of where I am uh, with that. And that's basically the end of the scene. She, she says, look, we're going to have a long talk about this. Yeah, later. and it's just, yeah. you know, the the fact that she's completely broke down, she's crying, and she just starts hugging Which, him. Which, again, is, is against typo from her, because the entire time we've known her from... and I don't mean in the original show when we heard about her, just through the tape recorder, but for, since we've met her in this show, in this season, she has been absurdly strong. In the sense yeah. that she has this wall up where she's const- she's constantly swearing, uh, like, do you have coffee? No, I don't have any. But then two minutes later, she brings out coffee. Like, So she has this wall up where she's not letting anyone in, but here she completely breaks down. And it's, it's actually quite effective because it shows just how much this, this Cooper meeting has gotten to her. Yeah. And, and I also think it's, you know, as much as she gives Gordon and Albert shit, it's like, nah, these are the, the only people who can help me with this. These are the yeah. people I can trust. And that's why... She finally lets the wall down. She lets a guard down and, and goes, right, no, I can trust Gordon here on this. Yeah, if there's one person she trusts, it's Gordon. Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's Gordon. <laughs> um, so, no, so there you go. And before we leave the prison, we have a little scene with uh, Doppelkoop. He tells a, a guard that he wants to talk to the warden. And the guard's like, yeah, right, that's not going to happen. He's like, just tell me to talk about a strawberry. And, of course, we heard Mr. Strawberry, a uh, previous episode. Um, more than that in a little bit. Uh, we we cut to a scene of uh, this was the Andy scene of Andy waiting for this guy to show up, uh, which started on a w- beautiful shot of the trees. Like it was just this beautiful haunting shot with the mist coming in over the trees. Yeah. And cool. and of course the big thing here is the music. Uh, yeah. It was the the synthy part of Laura's theme that used to play a lot in the original show, um, which made me grin from ear to ear. Do you know the thing is obviously they've been very they've showed a lot of restraint with the music uh, in this new season. Yeah. To the point where I'm actually, at first I was like, oh, I kind of want the music to be here. But they've shown so much restraint that every time they have used it, it's really hit hard. Yeah, it, it's, when they use it, it tells you this is an important moment. Like, because they don't use it just for the sake of, like, I think that was maybe one of the very fair criticisms you could have with the original show is it overused this music. Oh, it did, yeah. It absolutely overused music, yeah. Whereas here, it's very, very calculated when it uses it. So whenever it does, I'm, I'm immediately alert. I think well, it's also alert. very interesting that the at Laura's theme, one of the old themes, has only ever played inside the town itself. Both yeah. times we've heard it, it was in Twin Peaks. It was in the station and here with Andy. Uh, and obviously when it's just the synth version, it's not got the sad piano bit. It's, again, it's very mysterious. It's very much... There's this stuff going on, and of course the guy doesn't show, and we do in the middle of the scene cut back to this guy's house where he was being interviewed earlier, and the door's just kind of half open, implying that something bad's probably happened to him. Yeah. 
which is why I kind of I kind of wrote off when you said earlier, oh maybe yeah, he's not showing yeah. up because he's worried about the owls. I I, I kind of wrote that off because no, I think something bad's happened to him. I, I agree. I just like uh, the idea that maybe he wouldn't have because it's like nah, there's owls up there too. Especially since I'm pretty sure there's again there's a bit of a, a hum, a bit of an electrical hum as we're looking at the door. Mm, okay. I, didn't, I didn't catch that but that doesn't mean it wasn't there yeah I, I think I heard it uh, admittedly maybe I'm just being paranoid and I'm looking for it now but I'm pretty sure I heard it uh, and Andy's up there waiting and of course he's, he's left until he eventually decides to give up and leaves he's a very patient man because it's good like what 10 past 5 or something uh, I, I, didn't it, well. I didn't catch it it had been time, a while it was but, definitely because yeah. I was like uh, half 4 was obviously the meeting time it was a good bit after that he'd really waited yeah. in hopes that maybe the guy's just running late yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy's like that, though. Andy's not the sort of guy. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, but, nah. Uh, really really good. And even before that, I think uh, when Cooper was being taken back to his cell, there was a little bit of music. It was new music. It wasn't some of the old stuff. But, again, it's just the, the idea that they're using music a little bit more as we were going through things here. Yeah. And they're introducing it back at the show. Obviously, last week had a lot of great music in it as well. Uh so no, good stuff. Uh, so then we cut back to the prison. We cut back to the Doppelkoop and the warden, uh, and it's basically the, the scene. Basically, amounts to Doppelkoop saying, "Yeah, I know about this Mister Strawberry thing. You don't know. You don't want anyone to know about this Mister Strawberry thing. So let me out." Obviously, there's some details that I mentioned, but yeah, yeah. that was the gist you, of the scene. You're saying it that simply, but I love the speech that he gave about it. You know, the the, the whole the one about the dog legs. Yeah, because if you remember, there was a dog leg in the 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 car that they found the evidence in in episode one or two. And he's like, yeah, there was three other legs, and with those legs is the information about you that you don't want to get out. And if anything happens to me, or if I'm not let out of here tonight like I want to, you know. Yeah, yeah, he says, uh, the other three went out with the information you're thinking about right now to people you don't want coming around here if anything bad happens Mm. to me. Yeah, it makes it sound like he was mixed in with some people, doesn't it? Uh, the, the The name he uses to convince them that he knows what he's talking about is Joe McCluskey. Yes. And he does refer to Mr. Strawberry as the late Mr. Strawberry at the end of the scene. Uh, I think we kind of probably jumped to conclusion and said, yeah, either Mr. Strawberry's dead or Mr. Strawberry was with him when he killed someone else. We, assume, I think we just kind of jumped to something dark like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so... Very, very thing. He asked for him release, also Ray as well, who we know is in the same prison. We've not seen him since the first couple of episodes, actually. But we knew he was there. Uh, that yeah. was where he was heading. Uh, which almost, which is almost convenient, because as much as he didn't intentionally get caught, it's kind of worked out to his benefit. Or in maybe, some ways. I mean, maybe to an extent he did. Maybe, maybe he stayed in the car and he let the police take him, knowing, huh? Maybe he, maybe that was his ultimate plan, like not to crash into that, obviously, but the ultimate plan was to get caught by the police for something minor and get yeah, in there. Yeah, maybe. I could see it. Uh, so that's the thing. Now, I, honestly, at this point, we were like halfway through the episode. And at this point, I actually almost thought we weren't going to even see Cooper for an episode. I thought that as well. Yeah. I, I thought we were going to stick with everyone else. We were doing a lot more stuff in Twin Peaks with all those characters. I thought we weren't going to see Cooper. Uh, we did see Cooper. It was basically just one sort of extended scene we had with him. Uh, really multiple scenes, but they kind of followed on from one another. Yeah. Uh, where Janie E is waiting outside for him. And do you know what I love about Janie E? Uh, and actually, I noted this down. I love that she so often doesn't just walk somewhere, she storms somewhere. She where, does, doesn't she? Where the she? arms are going up and down and she's sort of like, you know, walking with purpose. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's waiting for him outside. She's waiting to pick him up. Uh, she's pissed that he's not out yet. Uh, but basically, uh, Cooper's co-worker, I think his name is Anthony, if I remember right, uh, Tom Seasmore's character, he's in basically like, I saw you go into the boss's office this morning with uh, with all those files. Uh, well, well, you know, He's nervous. He's, he's trying to yeah. get questions asked and whatnot. He's going he's gonna to go, did you rumble me? Is basically what he's asking. Yeah. But uh, the police show up and uh, Todd Todd Packard from the office, uh, yeah. be, being one of the police policemen, uh, they're there to talk about his car, uh, and obviously we're like, okay, the, the the car that exploded, license yeah. plate. We seen that last episode, and they're here to ask about this. Janie E comes out of the office though, and I love that she wins an argument with anyone because she did it with the drug dealers or the not the drug dealers, the gamblers last episode, and this episode with the police, where she basically just barks loud enough, and they they back down is essentially what happens. Pretty much. She she calls them on every little thing they say, all their shit. And my my favorite part that I've noted down uh, when they, when they, they ask because they're basically saying, uh, uh, "Do you know where your car is? Oh, it's missing. Was it stolen?" And it's oh, it was stolen. And they ask, "Why didn't you report the car was stolen?" And Janie E's answer to this is, "Do you know why it wasn't reported stolen? Because there's more to the world than cars. There's cars everywhere. Everything. Too many things." Like I love that response. That. JDE's turned out to be a fantastic character. I'm I'm, I'm loving yeah. her. She's still got a stupid name, but she's got, she's she's got a, great a stupid character. name. But the the way she like won't let anyone win a fight, uh, and the way she's like a firecracker is a uh, particularly yeah. entertaining. I, I'm I'm enjoying that side of it. Oh dear. Yeah, just to, to go back to what I was you know talking about at the start, Jerry was saying someone stole his car. It was here where oh, I right. noticed that. Okay. Cooper was very. It was the word "stolen" that he fixated on. That was the word he repeated. And I thought it was just hmm. just a not not that they're directly connected, but it was a strange link here for me. Oh, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't think of that. Um, I, I I did think of uh, that's multiple cars being stolen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, it was just yeah. the way he fixated on stolen. Obviously, with Jerry, we never really saw anything. He was just like, uh, "My car's been stolen. I don't know where I am." And I'm almost wondering if if some of Cooper's mind is kind of over with Jerry. Do you know what? I can kind of see it. Yeah, like or maybe just like Jerry's somehow tapped into the cosmos and he's like picking up some of his thoughts. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because yeah. like, he doesn't know where he is. Because as far as because Cooper or Dougie Cooper is in Vegas. It's like what's going on? Like he's not saying I don't know where I am. I'm in a forest. He's going. I don't understand what's happening there. I, I can see it. I can see it. Um. But yeah, uh, also it also repeats the word uh, police. He recognises that word. Yeah. Uh, again, tying into what we said the last, the last couple of episodes where he's recognising key words that kind of relate that, to That was why job. stolen stood out a little bit more to me mm. because that one, yeah, okay, that's part of police job, you know, stolen items. But it was not quite what we saw Cooper deal with. Also, badge. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh also, I just one note before we go to the next part of this, the next sort of scene that connects to this. Uh, one of the cops cracks a joke about how oh, it'll be easy to get the insurance because they work yeah. at an insurance company, and the cop at the back who hadn't said anything the entire scene just had this ridiculous. Basically, him and Heidi from the uh, Double R Diner should probably go on a date because they, they they probably <laughs> love each other. Yeah, but at least this one, the the guy was laughing at an actual joke and not oh, just sure, at anything sure. That ever. <laughs> sure, it was a bad and joke. I, I, and it, was, it, was a, it was a bad joke. It was a sort of bad joke I can appreciate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so and then Ake the Spike made his move. Yeah. My my my, my description here is just spike attack. <laughs> spike attack. Uh, but of course he 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 broke his uh, his ice pick. So 
he had to just go with some more conventional means with a gun. Yeah, yeah. But of course, I felt like, like he might have been more successful with his ice pick. He may have been. But I don't know, because I think Cooper Cooper springs to action. That's what I've that's what I've written down. I've written down Cooper springs to action. Exclamation mark. <laughs> Basically his FBI training kicks in and he takes care of business. Yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting how this plays like muscle memory. Mm. But these these particular muscles don't have that memory. <laughs> Cause this this Dougie body has never done that. Oh I, I, no, it's not Dougie's body, it's his body. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Hence why they're all yeah, like, oh, yeah, you've lost right. weight and you've cut your hair. It's, 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 yeah, it's Cooper's yeah. body. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Just, I'm just mixing it up a bit there. Um, but yeah, I, even just down at the point that he pushes Janie out of the way first. Yeah, yeah. Like, get, get, the, get the civilians out of the yeah, way. Yeah, like, just everything about it. Like It was just, oh, he's spraying into action. I thought it was really well shot as well. Because as much as Lynch is very much like a still shot, hang back let things play out, slow paced, slow pacing, we'll get to that later in the, in the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, no, but once I actually cut into the action and it was like quick cuts, it was very well kind of paced. Yeah. Uh, felt felt very... Uh, f- uh, frantic. Frantic, yeah. Kinetic almost. I, I, I'd almost... Yeah, there was definitely it. a bit, there was a sense of motion. Yeah. Interesting, uh, so after this happens, obviously... The arm appears out of the. And when I say the arm, I mean the arm from the red, the red room, not, yeah. <laughs> not just an arm. The arm appears in the ground and says, "Squeeze his hand off." Yeah, was interesting. Very what, dark. What she does. I mean, it depends if you if you take it literally, like he actually wants him to squeeze his hand off of his arm. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that's maybe what he was saying, or if he was just saying, "Now squeeze his hand so that all." Off the I gun. think that was yeah. yeah. I think that was the point. Get, yeah, it was essentially going get the gun off. You know, well, it's interesting get, though get when, you, when you see the police like they're, they're picking up this flesh off the gun, like yeah. and I had this weird light effect on it where it kind of like it highlighted that and like made the rest of it like a shadow. Mm. Uh, very just interesting effect that I noticed. But yeah, the police and news all show up and they're asking questions. We see Janie talking to the police and explaining what happened. Uh, and it comes to like vox pops uh, from the news with this, just various onlookers and bystanders talking about it. Uh, I just wanted to point out this quote. I've got I've got something more important to say, but I really like this quote from one of the uh, one of the bystanders, Douglas Jones. He moves like a cobra. <laughs> yeah, Douglas Jones. He moves like a cobra. I like that's, that line. That's you know, if if you had to have a sentence to you know to go above your office, you go right. This is <laughs> this is me. That's the one you want. Yep, yep, nah, I see. Uh, but, uh, of course, is this on the news? Is Cooper going to be, is his face going yeah. to be on the news? Cause... Do, do you know the one I found most interesting out of all those little bits? Mm-hmm. It's the one from the, the child, uh, the, the young girl who said he smelled funny. I just thought that was that was a bit more interesting where it was, everyone else is just going, oh yeah, he was doing all this stuff, but the, 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 the child had a different Wait. perspective entirely. Was she talking about him though, or was she talking about Spike? I was. I wasn't sure. It was a bit unclear when they were asking. She just said he smelled funny. Hmm. So I wasn't sure if, if if she was going. You know, she can sit, almost smell something different about Cooper. Or maybe she could smell the arm. Perhaps. Yeah. I yeah. I wasn't sure, but I thought it was an interesting line. Hmm. Well, that's fair. I mean, it could could end up being the. Most important thing of all. Uh, we, we then cut to the uh, the Great Northern. We, we actually had the classic shot outside with the waterfall. 
uh, the establishing yeah. shot, which we've not really had. We had. I think we had it in episode one when we first seen them, but... Um, and we had this sort of, there was a sort of hum noise, not quite the electrical hum. Of, yeah, it's, we've much, heard. it's much higher pitched. It's almost a, a ringing instead of just a hum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we start off with this slow shot, just kind of going around the, uh, it starts off in the, the, the concierge and it, it sort of pans around into what I think is Beverly's office, uh, where she does her job. And uh, Ben's there and I sort of just sort of standing there listening and it basically is like, oh, yeah, so how long have you heard this hum? And they're like, oh, let's try and... Uh, things here um, obviously there's a main thing we want to talk about I do want to point out though that we've got a strange hum which the way this scene ends implies to me that it's coming from the walls yeah because at first it was like they're like is it coming from the lamp or I mean they don't know they don't say the lamp specifically but they go over by the lamp yeah that corner yeah and then they go over by like the, the totem pole I think it was like a little totem pole thing in the other yeah, corner. Yeah, they have, they have some sort of like art stuff in there. It's like a yeah. sort of Native American yeah. decor. And it feels like every time they move over, it's like, oh, no, it's not quite here. And, you know, we were wrong. Which, by the way, to do with Hawk's heritage, I don't know if it's still relevant anymore, but just in case. Yeah, yeah it could be relevant. Uh, I don't know. Uh, unless I'm completely mis-recognising uh, that as a Native American uh, symbolism. I could be wrong. Could be. But, um... No, so so they'll listen for this. I thought it was interesting the way it ended in the wood because my mind immediately went to Josie, <laughs> who's stuck in the the, the, <laughs> the knob, the, the handle, and the, the drawers. I'd kind of forgotten about that because which, it was so stupid. Which were wood. Uh, it probably has nothing to do with that, but my main my main jumped to that. It was interesting because until this final shot, I actually thought that it was coming from the key. Aye, well, there you go, that leads us nicely to the key, because I love how the scene's focusing on this just mundane thing. I mean, it's a little bit mysterious, because obviously Twin Peaks plays with noise a lot and various things like that, but yeah, it was just this very slow-paced, mundane thing between these two. Uh, the sexual tension is through the roof. Yep. Um, and, I mean, I, I mean, uh, congratulations to Ben that he still got it, even at this, <laughs> even at this very old age. Yeah, because in the original show he was already like an older middle-aged man, but you know he's at that age where like a lot, a lot of men about that age like kind of attract a lot of younger, younger ladies. Whereas now he's like no, he's he's it looks like he's a walker now. Uh, he's at he's at that kind of age, so it's a, bit, a bit strange in that sense. But he, but he's you know he's a bit of a playboy. Um, but yeah, there's there's this sexual tension to it, the whole thing. Uh, but just in the middle of this scene, so it's doing this mundane thing, and then she's like, oh, this might be interesting, and she picks up the key, and I'm like, oh, the key, oh. Um, <laughs> and right away he's like oh this is an old one because we switched to cards uh, a long time ago and he's like wait a minute I think I know what room this was and he's like that was the room where Cooper was shot and she, she basically asks Beverly basically asks oh Cooper FBI who's Laura Palmer well she's just asking all these questions he's like oh, that, yeah. that my dear is a, a long story um, and then again, we get back to the tension, and she's like clearly kind of sticking around, and she doesn't need to be. He's like, oh, it's yeah. Nice. He, she's like, he's like, you can go home now, and she's yeah. just like, yep. Interesting that she's leading him on, seemingly, and he's kind of yeah, kind of plays with the idea that that Ben has reformed a little bit, a little bit, which we kind of had in the original show as well, by the yeah. end of it. Um, but I, I think. I mean, he's not being rude to her, he's not being dismissive, he's still being pleasant, he's still, no, call me Ben, don't call me Mr. Horn, kind of thing, and all the rest of it, but certainly she's the one who's staying here, and we actually get more of her, because we follow her to the next scene, she, we go to her house, uh, she comes home, and there's a, there's a carer who's taken after her husband, and maybe this is part of it, maybe Ben isn't 
that reform, but he just feels guilty that he, maybe he knows that her husband's uh, sick, uh, yeah, seemingly with uh, cancer or something like that, because he's he's hooked up to the respirator and all the rest of it. Uh, and this scene's her husband name's Tom, and there's tension in this scene, not sexual tension, very much the opposite. It's uh, tension because Tom seems to kind of knows that she's avoiding coming home. Yeah, and he pulls her up on it. He's like, oh you stayed late because you had stuff to do what stuff did you have to do and she keeps trying to deflect it with oh you hungry I'll make something to eat uh, she, you know, she keeps trying to like bury it and not talk about it and when he keeps pushing she just gets angry and I assume she's getting angry herself out of guilt because like, the thought of facing it and actually admitting it is, is a guilty guilt thing and probably stress she, she, there's probably some level of her that's struggling with this situation yeah and you know she's not quite sure how to deal with all of this maybe it's a relatively recent development like you know in the past year or whatever yeah and uh, the relationship's just fractured because of it i'm so and i wonder maybe i'm reading into this too much but i wonder if like feeling like she's more free at the great northerns can i like all almost like a sort of small version of cooper in a way where he came to twin peaks and he came to the great northern and it was like a new lease in life for him from these previous happenings yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Point. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just reading into that too much, but uh, but certainly you no. Know, it was it was interesting to actually because we saw her in one scene in the opening episode, and then that's been it since. So it was yeah. nice to actually get a bit of her character, and we we know what her deal is now. And even though Jerry cracked a joke about sleeping with her with Ben, we now know that oh no, she actually seems to be interested in that, even if she shouldn't be, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, to go back to to my thing about you know Jerry being connected to Cooper. He had an eye for those things, Cooper did. He, he did. That's a, that's a good point. I, mean, I know at the time we dismissed it as Jerry just being Jerry and, you know, his usual jokey self. But I don't know now. Just <laughs> point it out there. It still reads that way, but yeah, no. It I, does, but I'm just, just, you know, there's an extra potential. If this pans out, I can see see what you're saying. So then we cut to the roadhouse, and it was very much a fake out again, where we think, oh, is it the end of the episode? What's going on? And we go in the, in the in the actual bar though. There's no one there. Like they're cleaning up uh, after after the night is over. Uh, there's no one on stage. And this shot went on so long. It's basically just a shot. We have the the Renault uh, behind the bar, who's just doing paperwork or whatever. Yeah, it's just yeah. And there's uh, the employees just sweeping up uh, on the floor. It's uh, lots of nuts, it- I think, by the looks of it. This went on so long, I was just expecting the credits to come so, up. So did I. I was expecting the titles to start appearing. I was expecting yeah. starring Kelly McLachlan to just appear at some point. Yeah. And it kept going. And I actually laughed. I started laughing because it was going on so long that Lynch, you troll, you magnificent bastard. Because yeah, I'm just so You intently... realise it's going. It gets to the point where it's going on so long where it's like, okay, it can't, it can't be it. And then you're like, but is it? Is is it? Is the credits going to come up any second now? Just, just, just because he got us. Yeah, and it goes on so long to the point that on my second viewing, I legitimately just skipped ahead by like two minutes, and it was still going. It, it lasted <laughs> over two minutes. Um, but do I like about it though? I like that because the eventually what breaks the 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 monotonous the monotony of it is the is the phone. The phone rings, and I kind of like the idea that we cut to a scene where the whole point of the scene is the phone call, but the phone doesn't ring for two minutes into the scene. Yeah, yeah, because you always cut right as the phone rings, or it rings straight yeah. away, like, you know, pretty close, 20 seconds maybe at most. It's almost like it's playing with the idea that the editor doesn't know when the phone's going to ring, but he just knows we have to be at the scene at that, <laughs> for the phone yeah. ring. <laughs> Which is, I know it sounds silly, but I kind of like it in a weird way. Now, admittedly, it probably does go on a bit too long. 
but the same way, I'm I'm waiting for something to happen, or I'm waiting for the credits to roll the whole That's time. It. I think I think it works the once. You can't pull that too often. Oh yeah, just yeah, the yeah. once where you go, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it, and then just nothing happens. It, it just works every so often just to subvert those expectations. I, I don't think I've ever intently stared at someone sweeping a floor though, quite the same way I was here, no, no. waiting for just, the thing to you're happen. You're just watching it, going right, okay, something's going to happen. Yeah. Something must happen. But eventually, it's a phone call, and we learn some stuff here. We learn uh, that uh, I think Jean Jean Michel or Michael uh, or oh, maybe it was Mitchell. I, I, I'm 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 not sure about my writing here. As is my thing, not 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 my memories, but it's my writing here. Uh, I I think that was uh, his name. I think that's what he said. But uh, basically, we find out that the whole the whole practice of sending girls to a a whorehouse, possibly still one eye jacks, but that's unconfirmed. It may not be. Um, that is still a thing, because uh, basically he's compl- he's he's arguing with someone. He keeps saying he owes me for two. Who's he? Hard to say. It could be red. That maybe seems like a likely possibility, yeah. but we have no way of knowing that at this moment in time. Uh, but what we do know is that he sent two girls, and they turned out to be fifteen. Yes. And whoever's on the other end of the phone is complaining about this, saying, "Oh, because he's like, oh, they had good ideas. It's not my problem." Uh, and he mentions, "Oh, the Renaults have owned this place for forever. Fifty-seven years. Fifty. There you go. Fifty-seven years. And uh, we're not losing it over this. So deal with it, basically. And." He's a total sleazeball, he, because he, he says something about them being uh, grade A students, and then, and then a few lines later he says, oh, and I heard there were grade A whores as well. Yeah. Uh, he's a total, complete sleazeball, which, to be fair, is very reminiscent of uh, Jacques Yeah, Bell. I think that's just a Renault tra- family trait. I, I, I think it might be. Uh, but again, it sets up this, these ideas that this is still happening, because uh, we've not heard about this since, like since the, the new season started, that this was going on. No, we haven't. it's interesting that it's shifted over to the bar now. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it does make me curious, though. It makes me think there's going to be another murder. Do you think? I think there's going to be a murder in Twin Peaks. I mean, they did say it's happening again, and it, they did say why, that. Why, why not a murder? I, I, I think this sets up that the victim will probably be someone. If it's not one of these two girls that he's talking about, then it'll be someone who's also went through this. This process. Do you think there'll be a, a spiritual successor to Laura in the sense that think so. they went through a similar journey of, of this? Uh, yeah, I, I could see it. It wouldn't surprise me if Lynch ends up pulling a fast one and it turns out one of the characters that we know from the original show has a is a doppelganger. Mm, okay. And kills someone. I don't know. Interesting. But I, I'm just... I feel like... Maybe, maybe it'll be not even nothing to do with the Lodge, perhaps, but I, I can see there'll be a murder soon in Twin Peaks. I just I feel it in my, my veins. We'll see how long we're going to wait for that then. And I have another piece of evidence to support it, but I'll, I'll get there when I get there. Okay. Well, uh, it can't be that long. There's not much left of the episode. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, so that was the uh, that, that, that was all my notes. Um, I actually wrote down Total Sleaze Ball. That was, that was my, my summary of his attitude. Uh, so we cut back to the prison, uh, and we see Doppelcoop get out, get the car. He's, he's with Ray. Ray's out as well. Uh, my only real note about this... Uh, is I really like the shot when he's he's coming out of the cell because it was the long, long like you know the, the prison hallway yeah. and there's a guard at the end with a flashlight and it's just the bright light of this light and it's sort of the, the beam of it coming down the hall just looked really good. It's it really really nice because he just stands there and then the door slides open and then he steps yeah. out. It's almost like this would be creepy for anyone else, but Doppelcoop of course is the creepy one, so he doesn't he isn't scared yeah. by the other things. 
kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I like it. I say kind of thing a lot. I've just noticed that. You do, don't you? I do. I know I've noticed that it's going to annoy me. Mm. And now, and now you've just pointed out to everyone else, so they're all going to notice it, and it's going to annoy everyone now. No. Yeah. You bastard. <laughs> okay. So, but that, that was basically that. He, they, they, they let him out, and they, they go in their uh, the beige rental, I believe. Not, I think that's important, but. <laughs> Uh, it probably isn't, but it you just never know, do you? But do recall that Cooper did ask for a friend in the glove box, which I am assuming is a gun. That was the, the impression yeah. I got too. And Because we, we know he wants to kill Ray, because Ray was trying to kill him. But Ray doesn't know that he knows that he was trying to kill him. Yeah. So, Ray's not long for this world. No, un- uh, unless Cooper has a use for him. Which yeah. is possible, he might be going, right, things have gone off plan. You get to stay alive for a little bit longer because I need you to do something. Yeah, so next up, we had a single shot of another very good, eerie shot of the trees. It was just a sort of bird's eye view, just sort of gliding through the trees uh, with some sinister sort of uh, howling and wind kind of thing. And then we cut to the final location of the episode, which is the Double R Diner. And before we cut to the get to the credits, where again, much like the the like the bar where we just had the, the crowd of people going about whatever they were doing. Again, it was here. There was a song on the jukebox. The credits played over it, and of course, the episode was de- dedicated to the actor who played Doc Hayward. Uh, obvious episode to dedicate to him yeah. because uh, he appeared in it. But before that happens, though, someone runs in the front door and shouts, "Has anyone seen Bing?" Which is funny because the first time I watched it, I didn't hear Bing. I heard Millie for some reason, uh, but. He says Bing, which, and I'm wondering if that's a murder victim, and that's like just to support no, my you idea. Think, that, you think it's just happened? I think it's just happened, and that's he's he's looking for Bing. Who, first of all, whoever named their kid Bing has already killed them in a small way. I mean, I I would hope it was a nickname. <laughs> Possibly, I, I'd pray it was. It may be a nickname. No, you're right. But the way he, he ran in and said, "Where's Bing? Has anyone seen Bing?" And then he runs out, kind of frantic. Yeah. And everyone's just kind of, oh, that was kind of weird. You know, she's Shelly, she's kind of like, oh. Everyone's was, like, oh, no, not here. And we see Norma, you know, doing the books like she was doing last time. Every time I've seen her so far, this this, this season she's been sitting doing numbers. She, she's a very studious woman. Heidi's kicking around. But yeah, it was the end of the diner. That's, that's the end of the episode. Any other thoughts? No, I really enjoyed it. I think it feels a, a lot more like a, a normal episode of Twin Peaks in the fact that, you know, we had all these follow-on scenes. Yeah. Things kind of made sense. It felt, it, it felt closer. It feels like plot things definitely advanced more in this episode. As opposed mm-hmm. to, because, like, you know, the, the, the way that, like, oh, right, well, we should get go and get her. And then we skipped an episode and then we get one scene of him seeing Diane. And then it was this episode where we finally had proper conversation with her. Yeah, but then it kept and, going. And we got stuff actually kind of came about in this episode yeah we actually kept going with her and we, we got our scene cooper and we got all that stuff playing out uh much like at the start of the episode the sheriff's like oh i need to phone harry and see what he thinks i i, I was almost expecting not to see that until the next episode but no it was the very next scene yeah it feels really strange to just have these yeah. like i said we have follow-on scenes where questions are, are answered in the same episode I, I think to me it shows that as much as lynch does like drawing things out he likes to have the, the slow pace and all the rest of it it does show to me that he doesn't just do it for the sake of it. If there's no reason to do it, he won't just yeah, do it. Yeah, he knows when to get on with things. When it's time yeah. to, when something needs to happen, it's time to do it. So let's do it. Yeah. So, no, I enjoyed this episode a lot. Um, yeah, I. Uh, no, I think I'm we sorry. have a, a new longest talk about an episode with this one. 
Not quite. Not quite. Not no, quite. No. Uh, episode four, five, uh, whatever one it was, it hit seventy-nine minutes. No, oh, okay. not hit that yet. Not, not we're wrapping up, so we're not hitting that. No. So, but that is us. That is uh, episode seven of Twin Peaks. So, thoughts, theories. Let us know what you thought of it, of course, in the comments below. Uh, like, subscribe, all that stuff helps us out a lot. You can also help us out, of course, by going over to patreoncom TV. If you want to support the channel, see some of the bonuses over there. Uh, that'd be cool. Otherwise, get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. Individual Twitters are on the screen. But that is us. So, thank you once again for watching. We'll see you next time. Have you got any vanilla?